Because what I want to speak about this morning is, and it's something that God's really been challenging me about recently, is about what it means to live by faith. Um, but I want to approach it from just a slightly different angle. Um, because, as I say, one of the things God's been challenging, challenging me about recently is how do we handle life's questions and challenges? Um, because I think as we go through life, we realize that life isn't easy. There are things that are frustrating. There are things that are difficult. There are things, when we're young, we kind of have an idea about how our life's going to go. And we sort of think, well, this will happen, and that will happen, and then that will happen. And for whatever reason, it doesn't normally end up the way we expect. Uh, and I think that being a Christian, uh, it's about following Christ through those questions, through those challenges about why why we go through difficult things. And so I'm not going to do a big explanation about sort of why, does kind of why do bad things happen, but what I wanted to look at were things that we can think about ourselves, questions we can ask that hold us back from following Christ and things that hold us back from living as Christians. Uh, so the way I wanted to do it was just to share, uh, say, a few questions, a few statements, almost, that we can make about ourselves, and then to look at an exam- examples of people in the Bible that went through a similar thing, and then look at what, what we can learn about how God met with them in that situation. Uh, so I'll just go on to the first one. Uh, so this one, I'll just read them out. Uh, these are just, as I said, these are kind of statements that we can think about ourselves or questions we can ask and, and wrestle with. Uh, so, uh, I've messed up in my past. There are things in my background that I'm not proud about. I've got baggage. I'm not good enough to be used by God. How could God ever have a purpose for my life? So, if you can turn uh, to John 21. I'm just going to read this passage. So, just to set the scene, uh, this is after Jesus has died, it's after he's been resurrected, and he's coming back to meet the disciples. And uh, the disciples were Jesus' friends, but they'd all abandoned him, they'd all run away. When the going got tough, when, when life got difficult, when Jesus really needed them, all of his friends, all of his disciples had let him down and they'd run away. And Peter, who really was one of Jesus' kind of really best friends, kind of 24 hours before Jesus died, had said, you know, Jesus, if you die, I'll, I'll follow you, I'll die with you. And lo and behold, when actually that got put into practice, uh, he denied that he even knew Jesus. He was that ashamed, he was that... Uh, yeah, that he, he abandoned Jesus to that extent. Uh, 
Uh, and so I'll just read what happens when Jesus speaks to him afterwards. Uh, so from verse 15 in John chapter 1, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love me. I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. And I think this is a really good picture for us in that Peter had let Jesus down big time. He had really messed up. As I say, when in Jesus' kind of real hour of need, Peter had run away. And I don't know about you, but I know I've done that in the past. There have been times where I've had friends that have been kind of talking about God and, and I've kind of felt like I should say something and I've just crumbled. I've been ashamed. I've, I've kind of backed away. I've kept my head under the parapet. I've let Jesus down. And, but this is the way that, that Jesus restores us, is that what he wants to know is, will you love me? Will, even though you've messed up, even though there are things in your background that you're not proud about, even though you've got baggage, even if you don't think you're good enough for God, all Jesus is asking is, will you love me? And Peter is a good example because even though those things have gone away, he doesn't, he doesn't hide. He doesn't kind of say, oh, I'm just going to give up. But he comes back. He, he repents. He says, Jesus, you know that I love you. Even though I've messed up, I'm still going to keep loving you. And Jesus, Jesus, at the end of this story, says, follow me. And if we kind of read on, we see that God used Peter really powerfully because he was prepared to follow, because he was prepared to, to love Jesus. And I think that's the same. If you think that God kind of, how can God ever use you? How can God have a purpose for you? Really, the key to it is if you will say yes to Jesus, if you will love him, if you will just be prepared to let go of some of those things in your background and just look to the future. Um, I mean, in Romans, it says, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's standard. There's none of us that can 
say we've got a perfect background, that can say we've never done anything that we're ashamed of. But what Jesus is looking for is whether we will love him. And our background does not determine our future. Uh, And so I'm going to move on to another example now uh, and some more things. Uh, I'm going to, again, I'm going to read them out. Uh, Perhaps these are things that you say about yourself or maybe questions you have. Is God interested in me? Or I feel anonymous. I feel like a bit of a nobody. Or I've been mistreated by others. Or, where is God in my life? And I think these are, are things that we can go through. We can, uh, so we can go through periods where we just feel anonymous, like really we don't mean anything, like we have no value as people. Um, and so I'm going to read from Genesis 16. And it's a story of a lady called Hagar. So from from verse 1 of chapter 16 of Genesis, it says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian and gave her to Abraham as a wife. So Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Then Sarah said to Abraham, This is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms and now she's pregnant. And she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. So Abraham replied, Look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. But the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness, along the road to Shur, The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said to her, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears, for the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. And thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said... 
You are the God who sees me. She also said, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So she named that place Beeloaro, which means well of the living one who sees me. And I know that's kind of, a, probably sounds like quite a strange story. Um, but the things I wanted to just bring out of that were that Hagar was in that position because of other people's sin. So other people's wrongdoing had basically created that situation. She didn't, she didn't ask for it. She really had no control over the situation. She was, I suppose, a, a servant. She was a, a slave, I suppose, to her master. And her master decided to, to do something that quite clearly was, was wrong. And, but she, she's the one that had to deal with the consequences. And again, I think sometimes we can be like that, that other people can do things to us. Other people can mistreat us. And not only that, but Sarah didn't just kind of make her pregnant. She also made her life very difficult to the point of Hagar had to run away. And she ended up in the wilderness. And again, I think sometimes in life, we can end up in, in our own wilderness. We can just feel like we're in the middle of nowhere. Our life isn't going anywhere. And we feel very alone. We feel very anonymous. And, um, but what the amazing thing is that God meets her in this situation. And uh, not only that, but he reveals something about himself that actually he hadn't revealed to anyone else uh, before. He hadn't even revealed it to Abraham. Uh, and she gives him a new name. She says, this God that's speaking to me is the God who sees me. And no matter kind of what situation we're in, no matter how anonymous we feel, God is absolutely interested in us. He absolutely sees us. It, it says that the very hairs of our head are numbered. So God is the one who sees us. So if we ever doubt whether God is interested, if we ever doubt about where God is in our life, we can know that his, his heart is for us. His heart is a God who sees us exactly where, we're at, where we are, whether we're kind of in a good place or whether we're in a wilderness, whether we're in a place that's difficult, whether we're living with consequences of other people's sin. He sees us and he cares about us. And uh, in 2 Peter, it says that he wants us all to come to repentance. He wants us all to follow him. Uh, no matter what our background is, no matter if we feel like a nobody, God cares, God sees us, and he loves us, and he wants to bring us to himself. Uh, and so just a, a few more things here. Uh, and this is something I've really been struggling with recently. Uh, questions uh, and frustrations. Um, so again, I'll just read them out. Uh, and the same, there are so many more different variations, but these are just some I thought 
uh, I would share this morning. Uh, so the first one is, why is my life such a challenge? Things would be easier if I wasn't a Christian. My life is never going to change. And why is God taking so long to fulfill his word? And again, as I was saying at the start, I think the more we go on in life, the more we realize that actually life is difficult. Kind of work situations can be tough. You know, family situations can be tough. Uh, if we've got kids, they can kind of go through good, good things and they can be a pain in the neck other times. And, uh, and so sometimes we can get frustrated and we can get frustrated at God about kind of, God, well, why isn't my life easier? Why, why does it have to be so difficult? Why is someone I love got ill? I mean, kind of what's going on here, God? Uh, and so I just thought I would share the story of Moses uh, in Exodus. And so it's Exodus, and I'll, I'll kind of abridge it slightly um, just for time. Uh, but just to give a, a bit of background, uh, where we pick up the story, Moses is about to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. So the children of Israel had been in Egypt for 400 years and they had been slaves to the Egyptians and it got so bad that God had decided it was time for the children of Israel to leave and go to, their, go to a new land and so God had promised I will lead you out I will bring you out of the land of Egypt out of your slavery and into a new land uh, but it hadn't been easy so God had said I'm going to bring you out and funnily enough, the pharaoh, who was like the king, or the, the president, I suppose, uh, in our sort of modern context, had said no. So uh, after kind of 10 traumatic experiences, uh, God sent plagues to Israel. Fi uh, pharaoh finally agrees. He says, okay, well, he doesn't just agree. He says, I'm going to send you out. And really, he kicks them out because life had got so bad for him. Uh, he said, I just want these children of Israel to go, get out. Um, but I'm just going to pick up the story um, just slightly after that. So the children of Israel, they've left the land of Egypt. And again, they're, they're kind of in the in-between stage. So they're, they've left Egypt, but they haven't quite arrived in the promised land. They're kind of in the bit in the middle. Uh, so I'm just going to pick it up. Uh, from verse 17. And as I say, I'm going to sort of abridge it just for, for time. Uh, so from Exodus 13, verse 17. It says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs th through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And then jumping over to the start of chapter 14, it says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. 
ordered the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-Haroth between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Uh, And from verse 10 it says, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Uh, and so then uh, they, Moses puts his staff out across the sea and the sea opens and the children of Israel walk through on dry land. Uh, and then at the end of that passage it says, uh, When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And just the things I wanted to bring out of this story uh, are that God didn't lead them in an obvious way. Uh, So as it said in the beginning, he took them it's quite funny the way my Bible puts it is he took them in a roundabout way so there was kind of an an easy way to go from A to B it was a straight road or a main road Uh, and actually God said I don't want to take you that way I'm going to take you a different way I'm going to take you a roundabout way I'm going to take you through the wilderness Uh, but I'm going to do this for a reason I'm not just doing it just to be annoying Uh, I'm going to do it because I want to show my power to the Egyptians. I want to show my power to the people. Uh, And so, so as we go on in the story, kind of Pharaoh kind of changes his mind. He says, well, actually, I've I've let them go, but I'm slightly regretting it now. So I'm going to go and make their life difficult again. I'm going to try and overtake them. I'm going to try and push them, make them come back. Uh, so life got more difficult for the Israelites before it got easier. Uh, and really, they, they complained quite heavily. <laughs> um, so it's quite, quite strong the way they kind of react to, to Moses' plan. So Moses says, well, we're not going to go th- this way. We're going to go this way. And it, pretty much it was a dead end. They were led to a place where basically they were either going to have to face the Egyptians or go into the sea. And obviously, naturally speaking, you're not going to think we're going to swim all that way. 
They kind of thought they were cornered. They thought they were in a dead end. They thought they were going to die, uh, which is why they complained so much. And I think we can be like that with God, in that God so it doesn't always lead us in an obvious way. He doesn't always make life straightforward for us. Uh, but he's always got a plan. He's always got a reason for doing it. Uh, but sometimes we don't really see it. We don't really realize it. We just think, oh, things would be easier if I wasn't a Christian. Things would be easier if I just kind of went back to my old life, if I kind of went back to the things I used to do. Okay, yeah, I, I, that was kind of hard, but you know, this, this new life that God's given me, this feels a bit harder. Uh, kind of, my life's never going to turn around. It's always going to be tough. It's always going to be difficult. Uh, but what God said is, kind of, don't be afraid. Keep going. Keep following after. Keep doing what God's told you to do. And you will be delivered. And as I say, in this story, the Israelites go through and they get to the other side. And really, God's intention for doing that uh, was so that he would show himself, that he would show his glory and his power to... Uh, it, was, it was to the Egyptians, so the, the people that were oppressing them, it was to show it to the people that were in the promised land that were scared about what was going to happen uh, and also to the Israelites to show them that this God that was speaking to them was powerful to do the things that he, would, he had promised. And I think that's a real encouragement for us that if we go through difficult things, if we go through challenges, if we go through frustrations, uh, I know for me, there, there are things in my life you sort of think, well, kind of why is God taking so long? You know, kind of why, kind of God, you've, you've said you're going to do this. Why, why is it taking so long? Why, why don't you just make it easy? You know, th there's a straightforward road. I could go from there to there. Why don't, why don't you just do that, God? Uh, but, but sometimes he doesn't always make life Straightforward. I think if things always went smoothly, we would never really appreciate God and we would never really appreciate his work in our life. Uh, and so I think just to kind of sort of draw to a close, just thought I'd share these kind of last sort of thoughts. We don't always have the answers about why certain things happen in our life. As I say, kind of, sometimes it's kind of easy to go, in theory, you know, okay, yeah, God's got a plan. He's always going to do what's good for me in the long term. Sometimes I don't just realize it. But actually, when we're going through it, it's difficult. Sometimes, you know, we can't explain why people get ill, why kind of loved ones get cancer or kind of suddenly kind of things go wrong. Sometimes we just don't, we don't have an answer. No matter how, we, how far we reason it, we can't explain. And we can't even think, well, you're a good God. Why, why would you let this happen? Uh, but what we do have is an assurance that if we keep going, if, if we keep living by faith, if we keep following Christ through the questions, through the challenges, 
through the difficulties, then God will work his purposes out. So the, at the end of the story in Exodus, uh, the children of Israel do eventually get to the promised land. It, it takes them kind of a very long time in the end. Uh, but God always delivers on his promises. And there are so many other stories uh, in the Bible of, of people who went through difficult things, like David was anointed king, but he had to wait sort of so many years before actually he became king. Uh, Abraham had to wait so many years for a, a, a promised child. Uh, and so if, if things were always easy, if things always went according to our own plans, then God wouldn't receive the glory. And I think that's an encouragement that when we do see God uh, do things in our life, that kind of we don't just take the glory for ourselves, we don't just think, oh, I've done it by my own strength. Actually, we appreciate really that it's only by God's strength that actually some of these things come into to being and actually these purposes uh, get worked out in our life. Uh, and I think the, I say, the, the big thing that God's been challenging me recently, and uh, I'm sure there are other people here that can relate to some of those things, that uh, some of those things about sort of feeling anonymous, about feeling uh, sort of alone, feeling like we've messed up and that God kind of somehow doesn't have a, a plan for us, that actually one of the things that God's looking for is about the way we handle these challenges, these questions, uh, because they demonstrate his love and his power to, to those around us, to those in the world, to, just to, to bring glory uh, to, to others and to bring glory to him. So I just want to read... Uh, just from 2 Corinthians, just to, to, to finish. So it's 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 7 to 10. It says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And I think that's just a really... I'll just sort of read verse 8 again. Just saying, if you just reflect on uh, sort of the three examples we've been looking at this morning... We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed by questions, but are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. He sees us. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, the life of Jesus is seen in our lives. 
Amen.